This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. You need not look far to find us once night falls, curious souls. We exist where you need us to be. Simply seek us out where the street is crooked and empty, where the air is coldest and the shadows deepest, and there, just softly in the distance, you can hear the tolling of the midnight bell. Of all the myriad flavors of fears and worries that pass through our kitchens, many are tinged with the basic fear of being alone. It's not a nail-biting, heart-stopping terror, but an insidious, nagging dread that haunts the lonely mind. Even the most introverted yearn for comfort of another living being every now and again, and some desperate souls will go to great and terrible lengths to ensure they make some sort of connection, however fleeting that may be. The yearning for affection is the focal point and the catalyst of tonight's play. An idle quest for companionship. Nothing more, nothing less. Although what awaits our subject may not be what he is expecting. I met Lizzie at a blood bank. How's that for a red flag? There isn't much to say about her, really. At least, not when it comes to looks. Shoulder-length black hair that wouldn't stay out of her face, pale skin, and an underslung jaw that gave her a jack-o'-lantern grin. When you could see her mouth through the lifeless dark hair, that is. Listen, I've lowered my standards over the years. The decades, really. I started out as a teenager, shooting for the cheerleaders, the hot chicks, the mini socialites playing with daddy's money. Running into those walls as hard as I have, for as long as I have, meant that a woman with a face like a carved gourd was still on my radar. So I talked to her. Just casual small talk while we're chilling in the waiting room. Giving blood, huh? Smooth opening line. Yes! Me too. Right. Altruist or capitalist? What? Altruist or capitalist? Saving lives or earning money? Ah, yeah. I mean, I have nothing against helping people, uh... I mean, I like helping people, but I could use the extra cash, too. I'm a student, and let's face it, the job market for shitty creative writers is slim. Uh-huh. I come here a lot. I see. Altruist or capitalist? <laughs> Altruist. Nice, that's great. So I suppose you donate your take, then? Yes. Really? All for the upkeep. Upkeep? So, what? Elder care? Animal rescue? Both. I see. I knew the money wouldn't stretch that far. She was obviously trying to sound like a good person. And I guess at least making the attempt was enough for me. I could tell by her outfit that she was an oddball. You can be born goofy looking and that isn't your fault. Wearing a little loose-fitting black dress, black and white striped stockings, and weird metal and leather steampunk heels was another matter altogether. I couldn't make out the symbol on her necklace, but I knew it wasn't a cross. Or even a pentagram. 
The last thing I needed to do was stare at her chest right now. She looked directly at me, the cold, frozen blue eyes fixed on mine. She had tiny pupils, pinpricks. I didn't know what kind of drug could do that to you, but I figured she must have been on it. I know lots of places where you can get what you want. Like? I asked, but in my mind I was just chanting, like drugs, over and over. Anything. I don't get what you're saying. Anything. Anything you want. She leaned toward me, across the armrest of her chair, and said something I've never heard a woman say before or since. You can have anything you want. I'll do it for you. Pants problem. Willing myself to calm down a bit, I followed Lizzie out of the blood bank. I had no idea what she had in mind, and I had no idea what she'd look like without that rumpled little dress, but I knew it couldn't hurt to at least take a gander. I imagined she'd be slight, bony, no chest, no ass, just a skinny little thing with a crazy pumpkin head and those cold eyes that made you ashamed to look at them. I felt that if I moved wrong, touched her the wrong way, I could break those eyes, that if I handled her without care, they'd roll right out of her skull, they'd hit the floor, and they'd shatter into a million glimmering shards. It's weird, I know. I thought it was weird right then, too. I followed the girl to her car, a beat-up little black thing adorned with shining silver duct tape. One of the rear doors sported a trash bag that thought it was a window. So, what are you thinking? Nothing. Why? Nothing? We're doing nothing? No, you're getting what you want. Which is? Anything you want. Anything, 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 anything. (sighs) Despite all warning signs, it still sounded like a hell of a deal. Anything. I'll just take a moment here and let you sit back and think about what your anything would be. Are you with me a little now? We drove for miles, out of the city. Finally, logic was winning out over the promise of something incredibly strange, and I was getting concerned. Really, really concerned. The wind roared within the musty and damp vehicle. I couldn't hear her, she couldn't hear me, and any time I showed some indicator of concern, she just mouthed, anything. I started thinking about how much she'd have to slow down before I could safely roll out of the passenger door. We pulled up in front of a rundown trailer on the outskirts of the county after what seemed like a half-hour journey. The place looked unkempt, like a used and reused home that a pack of feral dogs wouldn't call home. Within these walls, I surmised, was an entire Manson family of no-neck hillbillies. I was desperately hoping they were only interested in money. Come on! Whoa, whoa, whoa. I- I'm-, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. If it's okay with you, I think I'm going to have to pass. Don't you want it? What? It. What? Anything. Anything what? I don't think you have any idea what you're offering. Seriously, are you hard up or what the fuck are you even doing? You have no idea who I am. I could be a killer. You could be a killer. I don't even know your name. And while something anonymous could theoretically be kind of hot, I think you're kind of killing it. You know... Lizzie. My name is Lizzie. L-I-Z-Z-I-E. Okay. So come on, then. No, thanks. What? You're silly. Stop being silly. What do you want from me? Nothing much. A charitable donation of your time and effort. And that's when it hit me. 
I flashed back in our conversation at the blood bank and realized I must have overlooked something. She must have been speaking in code, some strange underground swinger double talk. I reasoned that it must have been like tapping your foot in the men's room to signal the willingness to hook up. Somehow, I had agreed to something, and that's why she was acting as if I were the one acting weird. I still wasn't entirely sure if she was a harmless nut or someone I should be running away from. Frankly, without the car keys, I had nowhere to go unless I wanted to run aimlessly through the woods. That never seems to work out well in these sort of situations. Come on, come on, come on, come on! When she reached the front steps, just before she pushed open the unlocked door, she bent at the middle flipped her skirt, and shot me a moon. A black and white striped moon, due to the matching underwear. I was right. No ass. I cautiously followed her from room to room. The inside of the house, the trailer, had the same musty, wet feeling of the car. As she made her way along with me lagging behind, she stripped off bits of clothing. Her shoes left standing with no one in them. Her dress pulled up and tossed into a corner. Stockings peeled down over knobby knees and little troll feet. As she rounded the last corner, she was bare save for her stripy underthings. Lizzie looked just how I had imagined her. Slight, bony, like a miniature human scarecrow. She disappeared into a doorway, into darkness, and I stood inert at the threshold. Come on! The moment I stepped into that door, I was jarred by a surprise. Despite how alert I had been, I hadn't been expecting a sudden drop in the floor. My foot landed with a crunch against the first step in a staircase I see to lean downward into the darkness. What was down there? Sex dungeon? Regular dungeon? Either way, I didn't want to find out now. I got the mental image of a love-blinded insect buzzing its way into a cloud of pheromones, only to find the clacking mandibles of a predator within. I think I'm going to head back. I said, I think I'm going to head back. The door creaked closed behind me. A metallic click told me all I needed to know, but I still frantically tried to find the doorknob on that side. There was none. What are you doing? Let me out! Don't be silly. Now for the last time, come on! I felt along the wall as I made my way down the squishy yet crunchy wooden stairs. My fists were balled up tight, ready to strike out at anyone or anything that so much as brushed against me. It was getting easier and easier to imagine myself beating Lizzie to a bloody pulp. After an implausibly long descent below what I can only call the Earth's surface, I finally caught a glimpse of light. A door at the bottom of the staircase slid open, left to right. The dim illumination caused a small army of cockroaches to scatter from my path. The stairs ended at a metal floor, and the clatter of my shoes on its surface sent a shiver through my body. The area was expansive. Tremendous. It took the longest time for my mind to even comprehend what I was seeing. It was as if I'd left the stairs and entered an abandoned missile silo. At the edge of the metal floor was a bare metal railing, strictly there for safety. As I peered over that rail, I could see nothing below. Nothing but a gradual fade into darkness. I felt in my gut that, impossible as it may seem, this drop was truly bottomless. Don't go over! Ah! Lizzie. She was standing mere inches from me, wearing a black bodysuit that clung to her non-body, 
ridiculously oversized boots, and a pair of rubber gloves. Listen, I... Lizzie slid the door closed, the one I had just come through. No knob, no lever, nothing but smooth, featureless steel that would not give way to force. Right. Let's go. Watch your step. I did so, basically out of lack of options. I thought about running in the other direction, wheeling madly down that thin walkway. But where would I end up? There was a sinking feeling in my belly that said this place never ended. Worse yet, I considered the fact I'd arrive back where I started as if I were on some demented, large-scale Mobius strip. We passed a series of doors, some with slats at high height, others without. Each door was unmarked, save for the same odd symbol Lizzie wore around her neck. It was almost like a Celtic knot, mixed with an optical illusion from a children's book. The lines came together and twisted in ways that wouldn't work in the real world. It was as if someone had commissioned Escher for their corporate icon. She casually gestured to doors as she passed them. Let's see. The eyeless crab, adapting man... Hmm. What? Don't be shy, silly. You can take a peek. Ah! What the hell? Don't be frightened. The universe made them this way. The universe and fate and... and, and sometimes bad luck. They don't want to be what they are. Few things do. Then this whole place is full of things like that? The corrupted blob, empty head, the weeping golem, eight-sided John. All of them. They don't want to hurt people. Please. Please, just tell me what you want from me. Just time. An hour, a week, maybe a month. I don't know yet. A month of what? Companionship. She smiled and wrapped her arms around herself, swaying from side to side as if some profoundly wonderful notion had seized her mind and filled her with ecstasy. I can do that. I can. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. I'll do anything you want. No, silly. <laughs> That's what you get. Anything you want. That was the deal. Besides, you're not my companion. All I want is to bring some joy to the poor things. They need company just like anything else. You know, like a therapy kitty. She started to walk away again. Now, I thought, was the opportune time to do it. To shove her over the railing and take my chances with the impenetrable door. Maybe I could find something to pry it open. Some hidden control panel. I could try to guess the passcode if there was one. Thrash and tripod. Um, you just had a visitor, I think. Hmm. Upset home. You don't play nice. I'm not giving you another one until we have a talk. Pink Lester is sleeping, I think. It's so hard to tell with you, Lester. Ah, I think I've got it. This is the one. She gave me a full-on stare, and I was standing next to her before I had even noticed my feet were moving. I looked into the room, the cell, and was all at once both relieved and confused. At the center of the confined space was a little stone platform, and on that platform was a single bone. A femur, most likely. The twisting bone. That's it? Yes. Just a bone. The hardest ones to pick a companion for are the ones that make no sense. The ones that do things you can't understand for reasons that aren't clear. You are a very strange man, and this is the hardest placement I've made lately. So I think maybe you two will get along. She was calling me strange. She was calling me strange. So I spend a month in there, with that bone, and I get anything I want? 
Anything, no matter what it is. Yes, but it might not be that long. Anything. Yes. I cast one final glance down the infinite row of doors. I couldn't even find the one I'd entered through if I tried. How long before I was too exhausted to escape? How long before I starved to death? I looked Lizzie in the eyes. Deeply. Giving myself a near overdose of whatever crazy influence she had. And compelled myself to enter the room. Sorry I didn't tell you all this right away. But I knew you had a good heart and you would help. I didn't want to scare you off because I think this whole thing might have sounded a little crazy. She was gone almost immediately, and no matter how I angled myself at the door, I could catch no glimpse of her. My thoughts were actually clearing up now. I should never have talked to her. I should never have gotten into her car. I should never have done anything I had done that night. I turned and looked at the bone. I stared at it, waiting for any sign of what was going to happen. Nothing. It appeared to be a normal human bone, and disturbing as that might be under other circumstances, I was thankful for that. I sat on the dirty metal floor for what seemed like an hour, then two. Clearly I wasn't one of the lucky ones, whoever they were, that only had to wait out 60 minutes of this horrible mindfuck of a freak show. When I heard the first crack, I thought it was just me, that I'd been sitting so long that some joint in my body popped. When I heard the second and third crack, I once again turned my attention to the bone. Several fine lines were now adorning its bleached white surface, hairline fractures. The cracking continued, and became more frequent. Before long, the sound was like that of walking on thin ice. Crack. Crack. Crack, 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 crack. The bone broke into several places, but instead of falling into pieces, it simply contorted itself into sickening new angles. I could see where the twisting bone moniker had come from. Like a steadily increasing pop of corn, the cracks grew numerous and deafening within the room. The bone seemed to be getting longer, breaking and resetting itself, then breaking again. It spiraled at both ends, propped itself up with a bend at the center, then fell again as the bend broke and set. It continued like this unabated, rolling and falling and breaking and setting and twisting and cracking and cracking and cracking. When I had my hands clasped as tightly as I could over my ears as I could manage, when my screams were engulfed by an inescapable din of snapping bone, I knew that I could not survive this experience for long. If I didn't go completely mad from the sound alone, the terror of the situation would easily cause a heart attack or stroke. I leaped to my feet, unsteady like a bludgeoned animal, and rushed the pedestal. I gripped the twisting bone in my hands, both hands, and lifted it over my head, before finally throwing it against the far wall with a desperate cry of impotent rage. There was only silence. I considered the fact I might have gone deaf, but the sound of my labored breathing came to me after the ringing in my ears had stopped. <sighs> oh, fuck. Who knew it was that simple? Then, my finger popped. Another pop, this time from my wrist. I held my hand out and studied it. With the same gradual buildup I'd seen in the bone, my pointer finger turned, cracked, and reset itself in an awkward angle. Following suit, my wrist contorted with sound of grinding muffled by flesh. My fingers, all of them on my right hand, began to twist and dance, cracking and resetting themselves in separate, seemingly directionless circles. I screamed again, as you'd imagine. My entire nervous system lit up as I was racked by the pain of a hundred tiny fractures. Then a thousand. My arm slowly spun and danced on its own free will, 
bending at joints that didn't exist, creating reddened stretches on my skin, and the tearing of muscle. I could feel tendons snapping, and unlike the bone, those did not reconnect. I fell to the floor, on my back, as a paralysis of intolerable pain gripped me. I could feel my gut seizing, my stomach attempting to empty itself the wrong way. I could only watch through a flood of tears as both my arms raised above me, cracking and turning on their own volition. Back of my hand, palm, back, palm, back, palm, back, in a complete and unending rotation. Faster and faster my limbs broke and set themselves again. I felt a scream deep within my body. A primal, inhuman death scream that welled up within, and seemed as if I would tear through my chest and get out. As far as my jaw opened, near the point of unhinging, I couldn't open my mouth large enough to let that scream out. Lizzie helped me to my feet, though it was a bit like being assisted by a wet rag. I was surprised it could even stand, given the damage I'd suffered. I was even more surprised when I raised my hand to my face to wipe my raw, red eyes. My fingers worked. My hands worked. I was fine, save for the agonizing ache of past injury. I looked to the platform and saw the bone resting there, unbroken, taunting me with its sleek perfection. I see you two did okay. I hope you weren't bored. The bone isn't much of a talker. (laughs) I don't know how she accomplished it, but after I blacked out on the stairway, I woke up at home, in my own bed, fully dressed and reeking of my own sweat and piss. The fading pains of my every bone confirmed the fact I hadn't been dreaming. Further evidence came when I went to splash water on my face and caught sight of something in the bathroom mirror. On my cheek was the tiny, peach-pink mark of a thank-you kiss. For the longest time after that, I tried to wrap my mind around the whole experience. I failed many times over. I couldn't figure out the how and why, since I had no real idea what had happened in the first place. All I knew was that I had been subjected to unholy torture by a woman I shouldn't have known in a place that shouldn't have existed. And I didn't even get my anything. She hadn't even held her side of whatever insane bargain we'd made. Well, that's what I thought until recently. Looking back, as a writer struggling through community college, lacking any real motivation or imagination, I guess what I wanted more than anything was an original story to tell. I can't say how many nights I'd spent wishing, begging, pleading for something to come to me. So thanks, Lizzie. Thank you. And... Please don't give me what I want, ever again. It should be said that we hope this story does not discourage you from making friends, intrepid listeners. The strange and bizarre of the world can be lonely too. Simply use your best discretion and show a bit of compassion now and then. I'm sure Lizzie would appreciate it. <laughs> Until next we convene, pleasant dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. 
Midnight Marinera is a monthly podcast written, produced, directed, and mixed by David King. This episode features the voices of David King, yep, I'm doing this again, and Sparrow Rain. Companionship is based on the original short story by Slime Beast. You can read this and other works of his at slimebeast.com. Has our show made you lose sleep, either from sheer terror or simply from staying up too late to listen to it at midnight? Please, feel free to leave us feedback where you listen to this and give us a fair rating. Email us at midnightmarinera at gmail.com, or follow us on Twitter or Tumblr. And hey, if you want to contribute a little extra to the show and run Wittershins around the competition, consider becoming a patron and supporting our Patreon with a small monthly donation. Special thanks to recent VIPs Hugh Faulkner and Jonathan Eggstaff for their support this month. And thank you for listening.